Hey everyone, the Woj Pod is hitting the road again, and this time we're headed to Chicago for the NBA's All-Star Weekend. We'll be at Lincoln Hall on Saturday, February 15th at 1 p.m. And how about this for a lineup? Clippers guard Patrick Beverly, of course a Chicago native, Jackie McMullen, and Ryan Rossillo joining the Woj Pod February 15th, 1 p.m. Free food, free swag, and I think a great, great conversation. Tickets go on sale Friday, January 10th at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. And here's how you can get your tickets. Go to eventbrite.com and search the Woj Pod. Again, that's eventbrite.com. Search the Woj Pod. Tickets are probably going to go pretty fast for this one. Friday, January 10th. You can get them online. Hope that we'll see you there in Chicago on Saturday of All-Star Weekend. Patrick Beverly, Jack McMullen, and Ryan Rossillo. And let's get to this new episode of the Woj Pod with San Antonio Spurs guard Patty Mills. Stay with us. Welcome into the Spurs Patty Mills, who's making his, not just a debut on my podcast, but this is a podcast podcast debut for you, right? Yeah. Um, one and only. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate you, uh, doing it, Patty. I want to start. There's a lot I want to get to. You've lived a, a, a pretty incredible basketball life. You've lived an incredible life, but, but I think foremost in, in your mind and, I mean, all you have to do is look at your social media and, and to know where your thoughts have been. And it, it's the brush fires in Australia, which have raged for months. And the devastation has been, it's been epic. 15 million acres, 2,000 square miles. Um, you know, the city of Sydney is literally buried in smoke. I, I was reading, there was a New York Magazine piece that President Obama tweeted out today that I was reading and fire alarms in the city of Sydney inside buildings are going off because the smoke um, that's suffocating the city is, I think, I think it was over 10 times the what's breathable, right? And so it has raged on and, and you and your Australian NBA peers, Joe Ingles, Dante Exum, Ben Simmons, several of you now in the league and, and a few more I know made a donation together and I know there's more you're doing, but like I said, just Patty to look at your social media and you, you've provided, I think, an education for people multiple times a day because the images are heartbreaking and, and you, it, it's clear beyond playing right now for the Spurs that there's nothing that's more pressing on your mind. Yeah, well, thanks for, for having me first and, and foremost, mate. Um, very, very honored to be here and I guess, um, you know, use my voice and, and platform that I have to, to educate people on, on what's going on. And I think, um, it, it's, it obviously has been devastating and the effects have been devastating for communities, wildlife, um, firefighters and, and obviously the, the landscape of Australia. Um, you know, and, and for me to understand and, you know, it's, it's one thing to feel helpless on the other side of the world. So trying to find 
whatever I can to make a, a long lasting effect and obviously you know we we can donate as much as we can to help out but I think for me using my voice and my platform to create a long lasting effect that people can um, be educated on on what's going on um, and try to get some sort of knowledge on on the impact that it's having to the people and and, and to the country because it's hard to comprehend exactly uh, you know how bad it is back home. I mean, Patty, and this is it's Australia right now, and people have seen you know the wildfires in California um, have been a, a prelude to what it is going to look like, not just in Australia, not just in the United States, but with climate change, this is what's coming, and I think it's um, you know you think of. Certainly in the sports world, it has not been a topic and it's not been a crusade that we have seen many of us take on yet. And I say like whether it's, um, you know, certainly it's going to impact everybody and Australia is seeing it now in a way that um, the rest of the world is going to have to brace for. Yeah, you're right. And there's definitely a, a time and place, I think, but um, to be able to take on that that project Um, but there's no question that we're going through that in in Australia at the moment Um, it's 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 evident with with what's happening Um, and you know Australia has bushfire seasons or wildfire seasons uh, every year Um, you know when the temperature temperatures are at its highest um, at its driest, um, but this year, for whatever reason, um, we've had record temperatures, um, drought as well, a, right. a huge problem, um, and and as well mismanagement of the land, um, which has caused the intensity of, of these fires. So um, you can't ignore it, you can't deny it. Um, you know, when there's facts, you know, with within Australia that. Um, that sh- you know show and, and and prove that as well and and uh, you know this year was the warmest year on on record with 1.52 degrees Celsius above right. the average um, has also been the, the driest year so th- there's all these implications that that show that but um, it definitely is a, a, a big project. What are your conversations you have with family friends back in Australia? What are they telling you about what? the day-to-day is like right now for them yeah devastating it, it's the, the conversations aren't normal <laughs> because um there, there is that worry there is that um sense of alarm that's going on not only within them but you know families or all, all throughout the country um so for me just trying to get a sense of, of how they're feeling how they're doing um how close they are to the fires if they're not close how the air quality is affecting them um you know you mentioned um cities like sydney and and canberra and melbourne although they haven't been directly um affected by fire um the smoke is called bad air quality um so the the conversations with everyone back home you you know it's 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 not normal you can feel it in in the tone of their voice on the phone in text messages even um and the scary thing is is that we haven't even peaked the the peak season for, for this fire. You know that's yet to come at the end of this month, and 
in uh, early February. The, the the group of NBA players, and many of you play, really almost all of you play on the national team that has had a lot of success, the Boomers. Um, you've been playing on that Olympic team since you were like 13 years old, right? You were with those guys at a young age, uh, and you guys played um, – American basketball fans aren't remember those two exhibitions in Australia, 55,000 people in the stadiums and then, and then on to the world championships. It seems like the, the love you, that group has for that country representing that country, as you know, the NBA is so popular there and those fans there follow you guys here. I guess it's not surprising the way you guys have kind of united to say, what, what can we do here? Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's always been um, who we are, this group anyway, that, that have been able to play for Australia and, and, and represent Australia at Olympics and, and World Championships. Um, and it, it's always been that Australian way of, of being united and, and coming together because, you know, we, we always haven't been the, you know, most talented or athletic or whatever team um, you know, throughout basketball. So for us to, to do stuff like this isn't unusual. You know, it, it, it's almost like a, a lifestyle that we live. Um, we enjoy each other's company when we do come together. Um, you know, so for us to do this, it, 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 you know, it was a quick text message and we were all on it together and, and, um, and willing to do what, whatever we can. Um, so I think, you know, as this thing folds out and, Australia as a country and as a whole will grind through this as, you know, the, the blue collar country that, that it is. Um, we'll continue to, to, you know, make our efforts known and, and, and help out as much as we can for as long as it takes for, for our country to find relief. You, you, it's an Olympic year coming up and this is as, you know, you, you've, your team's had a lot of success internationally, I would think. The group you have, and now Brett Brown is back as the national team coach, which he had been and then um, has circled back again, and, and he'll coach the Olympic team this summer. I would imagine it, it's going to take on a greater meaning for your group to represent Australia and go play in these games. Oh, there's there's no question. And, and you know, even before, you know, these catastrophic events that are, that is happening – these are all the reasons that we play for Australia. You know, we, we, we play for our country and there's a, a deeper meaning um, to why we do that and why we do it together. Um, before the Rio Olympics, we went to the Red Heart Centre of the country to Uluru um, to, to start our campaign there as a group and kind of filtered our way out to, to training camp and then on we went to Rio and... And, you know, you just feel that everyone's connected in this team on a far deeper level, whatever that may be. Um, so when you see things like this happen to our country, whether it's to the people, to communities, to land, to country, to the wildlife, um, they're all the reasons why we play for Australia. And I think everyone's on the same page and feeling, um, you know, what we feel. So when we put on the green and gold, mate, it's 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 arguably the best feeling that you know you can have as a as a sports star to be able to represent your country and and know why you're doing it so um there's going to just be that added added um you know 
motivation um, come Tokyo. You know, Patty, I've, I always felt like the guys who played for the national teams, and, and I think Manu, I remember R.C. Buford saying this to me years ago. We were talking about Manu, and that the Spurs always, it was the closest that guys felt in the NBA to what it was like being on a national team. And I remember him saying to me, we loved Manu bringing sort of that spirit of that Argentinian national team, which is one of one of my favorite teams ever to watch. And they played so long together, but the core of them, when they won the gold medal and, and had a lot of success, they were, um, they reminded you of the Spurs. And it feels like there's certain guys who fit like what you've had with Australia. I think what the Spanish team had, Rubio, the Casals, that group that played together for a very long time. I don't know if that all feels the same with the Spurs now because the roster has turned over. It's different. But when you first got to San Antonio and the core was together, could you see the parallels with that Australian group with what you had with Tim and Manu and, and Tony and, and, and that core? Oh, no question. Um, on diff- many different facets and, and levels – um, that made you a better person first and foremost and then a better player. Um, you had leaders and veterans that were eager to help you get better and were excited to see you get better um, and everything to do with basketball but it was those relationships just like the uh, Australian national team that were formed off the court whether it was at dinner um, lunches, coffees—I don't know wh- wherever it may have been. Um, it was definitely a similar sense and a similar vibe, um, and maybe that's why I, I've stayed here for, for so long, you know. But um, definitely that that passion for um, the, the meaning to, to 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 play for something, um, which Tim had, which Manu had, which Tony had. And three of those guys having it together just trickled down to something that I already had with the Australian national team. And I think that's why I felt so connected because there's a deeper meaning to, to playing for something on the front of your jersey than, um, you know, than, than, than other places. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. That's what NetSuite by Oracle has set out to solve because most companies don't have a clear picture of their finances. And that's why many businesses fail. The question for any business owner out there is this. Are you confident that you've got the right numbers at your fingertips? Serious entrepreneurs and finance teams run on NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite offers a full picture of all your finances all in one place in real time right from your phone or your desktop. No more guessing, no more worry that what you don't know could kill your company. That's why NetSuite customers grow three times faster than the S&P 500, and you can too. Schedule your free demo right now and receive their free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits at netsuite.com slash woge. Set up your free demo and get your free guide today at netsuite.com slash woge. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash Woj. Patty, you walked into that Spurs locker room, 
March of 2012, you had been, you'd played St. Mary's College in the States, uh, 55th pick in the draft. You go to Portland, you play there. There's a lockout. You go to Australia, you go to China. And you walk in that locker room in the middle of the season. What do you remember about that first day of showing up in San Antonio, walking in the room? What, what did you see? What, what did you, what was that day like? Um, unexpected. I remember walking into the locker room and, um, you know, shaking everyone's hands and, and I think people were just shocked. They weren't, you know, didn't know that I was coming in and then here I am in the locker room, um, meeting everyone. So I, I remember definitely a, a, um, you know, shocking sort of, um, reaction at first. Um, and I don't think I really even knew what I was getting into, you know, days leading up to that and the conversations that went on, I was definitely, uh, excited about the opportunity um it was uh, a feeling of um something that i, I felt like I, I wanted to be a part of and and would do everything i in my power to 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 you know be a part of it but those first few days um you know and, and probably even longer of um pinching myself trying to work out where i am and, and as i got more comfortable as i learned more from my teammates and from the coaching staff, I began to, to feel the connection of like, you know what, this organization and the values um, that that it has, I can 1,000% relate to it with the way that I've been brought up, with my family, with my culture. Um, and then I was willing to do, like I said, whatever I can to, to be able to stay here and, and, and become a, a major part of... Um, of, of the organization. When you signed there and you come in in the middle of a season, did you have any sense of like even how long you might be there? No idea. No idea. Um, you know, in that season we went to the playoffs um, and we played the Utah Jazz in the first round. Um, and it was obviously a fast forward season with the lockout and all that and the number of games that we had played. And before you knew it, we were in the playoffs and, you know, it was, it was a place where we played our first two games at home and then we went to Utah and, and we settled into Utah for a little bit because we were there for a number of days. And I remember quite vividly one of the, um, d- you know, dinners that we had with Boris Diaw, Manu Ginobili and, um, and Tiago Splitter. And that was one of the first times that, you know, I really felt a connection and, and, and them wanting to get to know me and, and vice versa. And um, you have those connections. For me, it's like, you know, that's the things that I thrive on, those friendships, uh, those relationships. And it was those things that was like, you know, I, I want to I wanna be around this. You know, I want to learn more. I want to get better and, and have this on a day-to-day basis. And, um, and it kind of, yeah, took off from there, I guess. You, you mentioned uh, the dinner there, and I know you played in the, with the Spurs, you know, since 2012. There have been a lot of dinners. Um, but the one that guys always talk about was after game six, and that next year in 2013 in Miami, you are moments away from winning an NBA championship. Ray Allen, ball gets kicked out to Ray, he makes a three, and all of a sudden you go from they had the tape up around the court getting ready for celebration to now you're facing game seven. And I remember Pop 
rushing everybody, your group, through those press conferences as fast as he could to get everyone together at dinner and sort of try to kind of recenter the team off of something that is as devastating of a loss as anyone felt. What what do you remember about that night? Oh, man, you know, you, you, you talk about it now and describe it, and I, I still feel as though it, it happened last week, and I think that's going to be – that's going to be it for, for a long time. Um, you know, I, I I remember the the game. I remember the free throws. I remember the offensive rebound, the the corner three. Um, I remember the yellow rope coming out to block the fans coming onto the court and and the security guards running into me on the sideline. Like that's you know how much I I, I remember about it. Um, to all of a sudden the the Larry O'Brien being rolled back off and the <laughs> yellow tape being taken off again, you know, it's um, a lot of emotion. I remember the, the, the locker room there in Miami like it was yesterday and the feeling and uh, what Pop was saying uh, and what he was yelling. Um, and then, as you mentioned, the, the dinner afterwards. It was an Italian restaurant um, and... You know, as as much of an effort that everyone put in to try to reset from what just happened, um, man, it was going to be hard. And it was a silent dinner. I remember not many people talking, just trying to comprehend what happened and, and, and making that effort to reset. Um, and the game was only two days away with one day in between. It was, it was going to take a lot. And... You know, to to our credit, we we were in the game. You know, in, in game seven, and we gave it our all, and then I remember that quite vividly as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, memories. I, I, I remember talking to Manu about this, and he talked about that next season, how hard Pop drove everybody from the start of training camp. And he said, like, he drove us and drove us and drove us. And we were talking about that game five in San Antonio when you were in position to clinch. And I remember I get, I remember getting goosebumps sitting. He was sitting across from me. We were doing a podcast in a hotel room, maybe in Indiana on the road. And I could see Manu leaning up in his seat and he was thinking about, and he said, you know, we were like a wounded animal. One of the great passages I've had on any of these podcasts, like the emotion, he was like, we were like a wounded animal and we just unloaded on them. And it was like, take it to 15, take it to 20, take it to 25, right? Take it to 30. And the, that might have crushed another team, another organization. You might not have come back from that loss. And I think it spoke to the relationships there and the, you know, um, something that, the Spurs had that allowed you guys to not only not be taken apart by it, but it, it, it elevated that group the next year. And, and it was just felt like the scene that would not be denied. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. The, the first day back, um, before anything, it was back in the film room after a tough summer, um, of, of dwelling on it for so long. Um, before warm-ups, before anything, back in the film room, and we watched 
and we felt that pain all over again, game six and game seven and, and the entire series. And he wanted us to feel how we felt after those two games in the, in the locker room. And he did. And, and we all walked out of that room. It was um, just radiating with, um, you know, this, this not necessarily bad feeling, but we, we were ready to go. We were ready to go again. Um, and training camp, you know, he took us to Colorado Springs um, and we were at the base there and that's where we started training camp and, and you know, we've done some activities or whatever it may be, but he, he's exactly he's exactly right. The, the driving force on what Pop had every day in that season to get back to where we were... Um, I'll never forget, and not only him. It obviously trickles down to everyone else, and and you know Manu and, and Tony and, and Tim as well. You know the way that they handle themselves as a professional player, and the way they talk, and um, and their mannerisms. It, it, they were on a mission. We were all on a mission, and um, you know we just had to find out how we were going to get back there, and. Um, you know that that was a, a, a great season of, of how we were able to to claw back and find our way through. Um, you know many many hard times during that season um, to get back to the final. That was for you that game five in San Antonio, that third quarter you went off. Right, I think you had seventeen for the night, but fourteen in that third where you blew it open and you were just. Um, the way the ball was moving, the cutting, the passing, um, the shooting, it felt like it was as beautiful of a spectacle of basketball as you, as anyone had watched. I remember even the Miami guys after, maybe even LeBron and Chris Bosch, those guys, even in defeat, marveling at how you beat them and even having an appreciation for it, which usually an opponent doesn't in that moment. What was it like to be on the floor living it and doing it? It's a great question, mate, and I don't know how many years it's been since we since we won that. Um, it feels like a long time, but I, I don't think I, I have a, a an actual answer for you, and I don't know, to be honest, if, if I ever will, because, you know, I'll look back on it and think, you know, you see Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, Pop, you know, um, guys on the other other end of the court and then you see me and I'm going to be asking what the hell am I doing in the middle of all, <laughs> all of that mess um, but no, I don't know I think that series was just uh, uh, an after effect of everything that had gone on prior to that and hitting your straps at the right time I don't know but um, you know round one against Dallas you know, Vince Carter hits a crazy fadeaway three in the corner. We go to game seven, and it wasn't until game seven, and, and we had played average up until that point. Dallas played really well. It wasn't up until that game seven where we felt like who we were meant to be, the way that we played defense, the way that we moved the ball on offense. And that game kind of led to a little bit of a domino effect. I remember going into into the Portland series as well um, and Tony Parker going down and I had a little bit of a responsibility and feeling yeah. his shoes while he was injured. And I think for me that kind of gave myself a lot of confidence being able to 
um, fill that role um, for a certain number of games it was and then on to um, OKC before Miami so I think how we ended up playing in Miami was just an after effect of of all the stuff that we went through prior prior to them. You know, we're, we're in Memphis and, and the arena, the FedEx Forum is literally across the street from the hotel. And, um, you know, Mike Connolly said something really interesting to me this summer. It was after he got traded to Utah. And I was talking to him about Mike and, and Marcus Saul here in Memphis and how, not just how long they stayed together, but how determined they were to win together in Memphis. Um, you know, I think there was a bunch of years there, especially toward the end, where they didn't do a good job of surrounding them. The team kind of fell apart around them. And and yet, those two always wanted to make it work here. They never – they took on the responsibility of being the franchise players. And and while they kind of knew the run was over and the trades were coming and I think they were accepting of it, I think they just felt like we were supposed to do it together. And he said something to me like – he said, we grew up in an era where we, we wanted to be the Spurs. We emulated what the Spurs had. That's what we thought you were supposed to be, try to be. And um, now there's a, like in the league, young players and the next generation, is they don't really remember your Spurs team in that way. They see how the league has changed. And it's just changed, right? And it's, you know, star players are moving. Guys aren't staying together and – um, I'm not saying one's better than the other. Guys have the right to play where they want to play, go to the market. They've earned that right as free agents. And, hey, for everybody, there's something. Um, everybody's doesn't always value the same things. But I do wonder in the league if there will be ever really be much of a value anymore. And, like, the experiences. Like, there were times Manu, remember a couple times in free agency, I think Manu, Tony, they could have made more money. They weren't max. They weren't paid like max players. Tim, I think Tim later in his career, I think what they would do is they'd come in and say, okay, here's, here's the max offer. You got that. But if you take this deal for a little less, we can pay Tony. We can keep this. We can keep these guys. And, and I do think for a player, it's easier to take less when you can specifically show them we can keep these guys. Kevin Durant did it in Golden State, allowed Iguodala versus like, if you take less two years of free agency from now, we'll be able to, that's harder to accept. But what you guys had and shared feels like it's gone. feels like it's gone in the league. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's the first, um, you've got to acknowledge that, I think, first and foremost before you can move on um, and appreciate um, appreciate those times for, for what it was. And I think, when you think about it, it was the connection that players had with the team, with the organisation, with the city um, that provided this environment, again, of this playing for something deeper than um, just basketball. There There was a genuine connection with each other on the team, with the city, with the families, whatever it may have been, um, and everyone was in it together. Um, again, just like playing for Australia feels to, to me and, and, and my teammates. So um, maybe that has gone as well. I don't know, but it, it definitely it definitely has changed. And I think um, we're going through that, um, you know, those motions at the moment. And I think 
that's become my role is is trying to bridge that gap from what once was with those core values and, and meanings and those times that we did have um, and bridge the gap to um, you know this new day of the MBA and young guys coming through and, and all of this um, you know new things about the MBA um, I've definitely seen it as a, as a challenge that I've accepted and I'm excited about it um, but it is challenging to find new ways of how to connect with certain guys um, because you can't do the same things as you once did with you know with dinners or whatever it, it may have been um, but but it's fun it's, it's exciting um, and, and it keeps us going going forward but um, you know you think back and, and you definitely do appreciate those those times that role of trying to bridge it and pop and RC and, and Brian right now is GM. Is that something you will hear from them about because it has changed and like that term culture, I mean, to me, your culture typically it, it's your best players like, like pop and like it's unique. What's here and pop and art. Of course they contributed greatly to it, but you know, as a player, like remember one, a former coach of San Antonio said to me, like, so much of the reason why it worked in San Antonio was if there were issues in the locker room, like every team has them and they're there. They got taken care of in the locker room behind closed doors. Tim dealt with them, right, as a leader. And you may never have heard of them about it. That didn't mean they weren't going on, but they were dealt with and your star has to do it, right? That That's what San Antonio had that now is it's it's just different, right? Yeah, it, it is just different. and. And there's probably no other way to, to put it, but trying to work out how you can um, accomplish the same goals um, in this in this different era, I guess, with with players. But it's the way it is, and and things will keep evolving, just like climate change will keep evolving, and, and all these things to do with with the weather. But um, you know, it's just finding ways to to still accomplish things that um, you know. That are, that are to be accomplished, but um, you know it's, it's it's an exciting time. But you don't know what the what the future holds, but you know you can control what you can control in in the moment. And, and me being that bridge, um, I, I think is important. I think it's you know I'm excited that Timmy's back and you know helping a little bit in that sense, and, and vice versa. Um, he's annoying on the bench; that <laughs> takes up so much room with his long legs and big boots, but. Uh, no, it, it is, and you know, I feel I definitely, you know, whether whether or not it's asked of me or not, you know, I do, um, you know, feel the responsibility of, of how these young guys come into our program and and what they learn and how they see the Spurs and understand the the core values of what the Spurs are, um, because that's the next generation, um, and if they don't understand the Spurs culture, then you know, they can't pass it on to, to the next. So um, we've got a great bunch of young guys at the moment who, who are getting it, who are understanding it um, a lot quicker than I think I, I would have thought. Um, but, yeah. What has it been like to have Tim Duncan back in the gym every day with you? I think the one thing that you probably um, would find from a lot of people is how much just his presence is effective without him making a noise, saying a word, his presence in a gym is far more effective than 
you know, a lot of people that, are, that I've met. Um, it just makes you put your alerts up and your ears stand up and, and, and you got to do and, you know, whether it's to behave or, or do the right things or, or whatever it may be, that's the type of presence that, that he has. He had that even more so, obviously, as, as a teammate. So I needed to, you know, make sure that when he was around, I was doing what I needed to be, to be done to, to help the team, whether it was in the locker room or on the court. Um, so to have him back now, it, it is great for, for many different, um, you know, reasons. And I think a lot of people forget that, that he's a great guy. He's a great guy to have around to laugh and joke um, and to keep things light um, because he, he definitely, you know, I think prefers that more than, more than anything else. How much do you think Pop really needed him back? Not just your young guys and the players, but for Pop to have him to lean on every day. What, what do you think it's meant to him this year? Oh, I think it's meant a great deal. Um, and I think we'll, we'll continue to see that as the season goes on. But, um, you know, it's, a, it's another part of this, you know, moving transition puzzle that, that we're going through. Um, you know, and, and Timmy has always been that, <laughs> that core part of this organization. So to have him back and, and, and more involved in that sense um, is a stabilizer for um, not only Klopp but, but everyone else, you know. Um, and again, it's back to his presence. But um, the relationship that those two, two guys have, um, you know, many people have, have seen it and heard it before about the father-son relationship. Um, it, it's very unique. It's special. Um, and no one else can have that impact on Pop that... that um, Timmy has, and it's it, it's definitely great to see every day and, and how they act around one another and how they treat um, different other you know, problems throughout basketball. Can, can Duncan talk to Pop and say things to him that nobody else at the gym would dare say? Oh yeah, of course, easy. Give me an example this year. Oh. Now I'm giving away the secrets. I think <laughs> now I'm crossing the line. I think of what he says, but but no, he he is, and yeah. and I think that's what um, um, he he has. You know, he he, he has the ability, uh, and he's always had that though. Right. He, he definitely had it as a player. So nothing has changed. Right. Um, he's just back on the bench, taking up all the room, um, but but being that presence for for him. So, um, and every 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 coach has it and, and, and needs it I, I think um, you know from, from what I've seen um, but I, th- I think it's just such a unique relationship that um, you know you don't see too often what, what has it been like to watch Pop navigate from I guess the things that he could take for granted that he when he had or maybe not take for granted maybe that's not the right way to phrase it but the things that he knew he could count on every day when you first got here when it was the big three and then all the other you know, that championship core to these last couple of years going through the Kawhi final Kawhi season and what that was like around here. And then post Kawhi last year and into this year, how have you watched pop sort of navigate what it was to what it had become? Yeah, that's probably the, the, the biggest challenge for him. Um, and that's where I've come to appreciate it more than probably I had when I first came to San Antonio because um, it's this transition where he's still finding 
first of all motivation himself to um, you know keep keep saying the same messages and keep harping on these things um, but also adapt right adapt to to the new age and to the new style of game and so on and so forth and the players um, so you know obviously commend him for being able to to do that because you see how hard it is but you know he he doesn't let go he doesn't give up he doesn't you know keep the the foot down he'll he'll stay on us and until the end and um you know when when i say that you know the the thing that comes to my mind is just how he sees the game being played and he sees his players playing the right way and the result is the result and and we'll live with it whether we win or lose but if we can play the right way um and play together and and execute and and put all the effort we can um then we'll, we'll deal with the result later and i think you know that's one of the many factors that keeps his uh keeps his drive going patty i want to end with this if, if people want to help in australia want to contribute like where do you suggest they go right now yeah, so um, you mentioned it earlier before, mate. But um, me and the other nine Aussies, um, which is which is awesome for us to, to have in the NBA, um, you know, coming together with the MBPA, with the NBA, and and you know, put a bunch of money together, which is um, going back to the Red Cross Australia. Um, we have also put a link out there to the public, um, which is also going to the Red Cross Australia to be able to help um, donate money if, if they want and if they can. Um, just to throw one on top of there, but um, you know, I, I think this was always going to be something that was going to be done. Um, but like I said, we're going to continue to um, make this a long-lasting effort because it is going to be a long rebuild and, and recovery. Um, but look, it's it's you know going back to the to the catastrophe, I guess, in national crisis in Australia. It, it's tough, and you know, for for us Australians over here in in America, it's tough to be away from home because you do feel that sense of helplessness. Um, so donating this this money is is one thing, I guess, that that makes us sleep at night and and creating awareness and and showing all these. Um, information and, and photos and videos is is one way as well, but that's about it, mate. Um, you know we're gonna we're gonna have a long run ahead of us to, to do what we need to, to get done. Australians, uh, as we always do, will we'll come out of it. But I think there's a, a long road a, ahead, so I've got you know a time and place to be able to break down all, all yeah. that stuff. But yeah, Patty, thanks for doing this. Good luck, rest of the season, and uh, thanks, man. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to our guest today, San Antonio Spurs guard, Patty Mills. Be sure to listen and subscribe to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod. And of course, check out the Low Post with Zach Lowe and Brian Windhurst and the Hoop Collective, wherever you get your podcasts. Again, tickets for the All-Star Weekend Woj Pod in Chicago, Patrick Beverly, Jackie McMullen, Ryan Rossillo, on sale starting Friday at noon at eventbrite.com. Search Woj Pod. We'll catch you next time. Woj Pod.